not worship for the cause of justice and peace and equal rights for a downtrodden race. There's bloodshed among mankind. I alone. to every night's a school night been doing it for eight years officially eight years now it'll be official on december 12th today is december 3rd kind of wild to think about that eight years of this but first uh, let me just give a little introduction to the introduction i don't know if you it's not an introduction if you already heard it but that was norm burns and the five stars with A Leader is Dead. Great title there. A Leader is Dead. And as you heard, it was about Martin Luther King Jr. Strange way to start, but that's the best. That's the best. A strange start is always the best. It lets you know what you're in for. And Norm Burns, he was a song poem artist. He did the great song, Human Breakdown of Human Absurdity. I'm trying to remember the exact phrasing on that um it's a human breakdown of absurdity i believe i've played that before and if you're not familiar i know i've discussed it before but song poems were a process where you could write lyrics essentially a poem and send them into these niche record companies who would have studio musicians put it to music 
and you would get a highly limited copy of the record and you'd be credited credited with writing the song so norm burns you just heard he was a song poem artist one of the better ones and i believe that was a song poem too it sure sounded like one because a lot of the song poems were political in nature people would write little songs about politicians or social figures whatever they wanted whatever they wanted and that person wanted a song about Martin Luther King Jr., but what a gamble it was. I don't know if the song poem writers, the people sending in their poems and money, I don't know if they had any control over the style of music. I have to assume they may have been able to request the style of music that was played, but obviously they couldn't control the quality. So that must have been quite a thrill to send in a song poem and to have the studio, the studio musicians just put together a hit like that. Beautiful, beautiful music. But yeah, we're here every night's a school night. It's December. It's a crisp, clear December day. The sky was godly. Nothing like going into the grocery store and seeing a godly sky. Yeah, doing this show for eight years now. I mean, this isn't going to be some kind of anniversary episode. Eight, why would you celebrate eight years and not... You just wait till the ten year. Why celebrate the eight years when you can just wait two years for the ten year? It is wild, though, doing a podcast for this long, especially living in this world now where podcasts are just a, a major fact of life. And an influence over everything we do. And when I started doing this, I called it a podcast, but I, I said I was uncomfortable with that term because at the time, in 2013, I really wasn't listening to podcasts. They were relatively new, just beginning to grow in popularity. And so as I said, I guess this is a podcast. I guess, I guess this is a podcast. You know, I, that was kind of my approach because I didn't know what qualified as one. And I didn't particularly like the term, and I still don't. I still prefer the term pseudo-radio, pseudo-radio, pseudo-radio. I still prefer that. I still see this as radio. I mean, it makes sense that people didn't like the term online radio. Because online radio was around going back to the 90s, from what I remember. But there was always something that seemed not quite full not quite fully formed about online radio. It seemed like a cheaper, more expendable version of regular radio, reg radio. So it makes sense that as our world has become more digital, we had to create a new term for what was essentially the same thing, which is humanity in a nutshell. That's the evolution of humanity, evolution of hu human psychology in a nutshell, is that continually coming up with new words for the same old thing, especially when the medium slightly changes. But yeah, doing this, I, guess I, I do want to say something about doing this for eight years. I just want to say how much I appreciate those who have listened to this, those who have listened from the beginning, those who have started listening more recently. It's funny, too, because when I first did this, there was quite a bit of fanfare among people I knew, people in my, you know, more or less in my network, as you might call it, where I had no reservation about sharing it with people, for one. 
know, I just kind of announced like, hey, I'm doing a, a Suda Radio podcast. You want to check it out? You know, I didn't force it on people, but I told my coworkers about it and they listened to it. And it was actually quite a hit where I was working at the time. There were like young liberal girls listening to it at work, which I wasn't entirely cool with. I didn't like the idea of people listening to me while I'm two doors down. There was one time even where someone was listening to it and they accidentally unplugged their headphone jack and I heard my voice come out of their computer speakers for a second and she quickly plugged it back in. But I was like, oh, no, that's not good. It's not good for me. It's not good for my mind. If someone's over there listening to me and the fact that I heard my voice across the room for one second. But no, you know, the show never took off. This is actually one of those shows that's been around a long time, and it's significantly declined. It was never big, obviously, obviously. But people I knew were all into it. I'd go out to the bar for a while early on, and you know, acquaintances would be like, oh, hey, I, I checked out your podcast. That's, that's pretty, pretty cool. So there was a period there, a brief period, where coworkers, acquaintances, friends were all about it. They, they listened to every one for a while. But, I mean, just the, the every night's a school night format, like the actual pseudo radio, playing music and commenting on it, not really sustainable. I mean, that's not something that could necessarily sustain your interest. I don't listen to any podcasts. I don't really listen to anything that plays music and talks about it. And obviously, podcasts have become much more focused on long-form commentary. Hence, night school. But, uh, you know, even though night school's taken priority and has turned into a whole pathology unto itself, it's still necessary for me to do this at least once a season. At least once a season. I feel like it's necessary. It clears the air. It does feel that way for me. But, yeah, no, in terms of getting any kind of response or feedback or listenership, it's declined significantly. On one hand, you know, I've deliberately stopped sharing this with people. I like the idea that there are five people. I think there are more than that. But I like the idea that there are five people out there who are into this. And doing this show, you know, it's a different form of creativity for me. I always felt that I wanted to say things. Because if you're like me, you read somebody's writing whether it's casual or formal. And even if you know the person, you have a tendency to read it in a certain voice. You have a tendency to read writing or hear the writing in your mind. And if you're me, you, you tend to hear it in a, sometimes in a voice that doesn't really, um, it, a voice that doesn't really, uh, a voice you don't want to hear. You tend to imagine what the person sounds like, even if you know them. If you read their writing, you tend to hear it in a different voice, and I never liked that idea. So doing this show, part of the motivation, in addition to wanting to share somewhat obscure, very obscure in some cases, niche music from the 1950s and 60s, I also wanted to actually have my voice be heard. And I think I've done plenty of that. I think you've done plenty of that. Maybe do a little less, but uh, that was one of the motivations. I was like, I'm sick of just with the internet, with having all of this access to communication. You know, I feel like it's time to actually speak. 
And, you know, doing this show, too, it's put me in touch with people. Like, I mean, there's a lot of the people who I know who have listened and do listen are people I already knew for one reason or another. I had some form of contact with them, if not a lot of contact. Although I think my closest friends probably can't listen to this. I know every once in a while one of them will mention having heard an episode, but I don't think they can listen continually. I mean, partly probably because I share anecdotes related to them. They learn how deeply I analyze their lives. If you think I'm analyzing your life a lot, think about what I do to myself. But, uh, you know, there's a narcissism to doing this, obviously. Night school is very, you know, very narcissistic. It's funny how averse we are to this idea of narcissism these days. As pop psychology has become bigger and bigger, how many times do you hear somebody refer to narcissism these days? I mean, it's not crazy to think that you hear about it every day. If you read a lot of material, if you pay attention to things, there's a good chance that every single day you hear somebody criticizing somebody else and accusing them of being a narcissist or what we do, what we call practicing narcissism. Chances are you hear about it every day. And uh, I don't think that's good for us. I don't think it's good for us that we're constantly evaluating other people's narcissism. And I have a simple rule about that. And I'm inventing it right now, but it, it is how I, I've always operated, which is narcissism doesn't bother me at all unless it impacts somebody negatively. Yeah, you could say it impacts the narcissist's spirit negatively, but unless it's negatively affecting other people, it doesn't bother me. But if we even get a whiff, what we call a whiff of narcissism, we're so quick to criticize that person Meanwhile, we live in a very narcissistic time. We are all narcissists. We're all narcissists. Narcissus staring into the pool to see his own reflection. We all do a lot of that. And it's one of those catch-22s as well where sometimes saying, I don't want to be a narcissist, so I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. Sometimes that makes you more narcissistic the fact that you are having to make this steady rule because you're actually, it's self-important being like, oh, I'm so not narcissistic that I never post selfies. I'm so not narcissistic that I never talk about myself. It's that Alan Watts, you know, it's that all, Alan, Alan Watts kind of explored this in some of his lectures where sometimes, you know, thinking that you've leveled up or one-upped somebody just makes you more of that thing that you're combating because it consumes you even more. It's like the concept of a dry drunk, someone who doesn't drink, someone who quit drinking, but they're so preoccupied with alcohol and drinking that it actually rules their life as much, if not more than some alcoholics. You know, you always run into that dilemma where in trying not to do something, sometimes you give that thing more power. That's my justification for my own narcissism. But, uh, you know, I'm, what I'm glad about is that even though it's been difficult to sustain other people's interest in this show, in night school, even though there's no self-promotion, You'll never hear me say, share it, like it, support. 
support me. You'll never hear me say that. Um, but what I, the reason why I keep doing this is simply because I want to. Simply because, I don't know, it's, it's compulsory. I feel compelled to do this. And I haven't burned myself out. It seems like there's always something to talk about, even if it's something I've already talked about. But I'm hoping to reach 100 episodes of this one day. It's taken eight years, and I'm still not at 100. Meanwhile, I just hit over 400 episodes for night school. But it's nice to clear the air. It's nice to do this. I'm happy to still be doing it after eight years. And the funny part about that is it's like all these people have started podcasts over the last couple of years. You know, obviously a lot of podcasts have started up in the last five years. Podcasts have become incredibly popular. Over the last five or six years, they've really, the amount that, the amount of attention they get for one in the last five or six years is unbelievable. And uh, it's kind of nice in a way, like having the credibility of doing this before all that, you know, this is my ego talking, this is my ego talking. It's kind of nice having done a podcast for so long. But it's also nice and humbling that it's just still in this obscure little corner. It's not like doing it for a long time has brought me anything. There's people who pay their bills. There's people who have become wealthy. There's nobodies, absolute nobodies, who have become wealthy doing what I do. And so it's kind of nice that it's kept me humble. And it's, but it's also something that I've remained dedicated to, and it's a different form of creativity for me. It's creative thinking, it's creative expression. It's put me in touch with a lot of people, actually. You know, there's people all over, all over the world who have listened to this show. There's a couple people in England. A couple of the most dedicated listeners live in England. Got another in Canada. What's funny, too, when I first started doing it, one of my oldest friends was living in either Latvia or Prague, one of those countries. He was, he's an animator and involved in video and he was doing some work and living in Eastern Europe. And he turned on all these people that he knew there onto this show. So there was a Eastern European following for a while in the very early days. But I see this as a very American show. I play primarily American music I talk primarily about American culture. I myself am an American. So the fact that people around the world have shown an interest in this show is funny to me. And I have to wonder how much that's uh, colored their view of America. You know, like my French Canadian friend said that he listens to he listens to this show to help him with his English. And I'm like, uh, uh, I'm not liable for whatever you believe is normal as a result of this show whatever weird form of linguistic madness infects your brain through my use of the english language is not my fault but anyway let's continue on here enough about the show but i did have to make a little statement there about eight years it's not seven it's not nine, but it's eight. It's a good number, and I'm glad to still be doing it. And so, you know, and a sign that I needed to do an episode, a couple things happened recently that were signs that I it was time for an every night to school night. And one of those is that a couple nights ago, 
I had a dream with Dolly Parton in it. Dolly Parton was driving a car and I was in the passenger seat and she was being very flirty, but in kind of an older woman way. Not in the way that a girl who's your age flirts with you, but in that way that older women do where it's kind of, there's kind of an overt sexuality to it, but without really any, it's not like she's actually coming on to me. Just kind of like a fun, sexual, older woman sort of vibe, which I have to imagine is Dolly Parton's vibe. Maybe. Who knows what she's like in private, but that's sort of her persona. So it fit her persona. But Dolly Parton was driving this car and I was along for the ride and there was this fun, flirty energy. And I don't have celebrity dreams very often. But the funny part is in the dream, I found this old vape pen. And it was in the packaging, and it loosely resembled an old vape pen that I had. And I'm talking nicotine here. I'm talking tobacco vape. Tobacco vape. And so I found this old vape pen. I was like, whoa, I forgot about this. And she was like, let me hit that. Let me hit that. Now, Dolly, My dream version of Dolly Parton was very interested in hitting the nicotine vape that I found. And flash forward a couple seconds... And the nicotine vape had transformed into one of those red felt pens. I'm sure you know exactly the one that I mean, those red felt pens, those immortal red felt pens. I believe teachers use them. It had transformed into this red felt pen, but it was still a vape. And so I was hitting a red felt pen, hard to say. I was hitting this red felt pen and inhaling I love when dreams do that. You know, I love when a dream gets creative like that, when it transforms something, something you never would have conceived of. Like, yeah, you know, we all know, like, about sneakatokes. Oh, it's a sneakatoke. You know, the old weed devices that look like something else. But it was cool to me that it was like something out of a gag catalog, a red felt pen. It was actually a nicotine vape. And so I was sucking on a red felt pen with Dolly Parton and she took it from me and I think she hit it too, but I woke up. But so that was a sign to me that it's time for an every night to school night. When you have a dream with Dolly Parton where you're both sucking on a red felt pen because it's a nicotine vape time for a school night. Another thing was yesterday, I believe it was, I woke up and I had a, a text message from my friend, Brandon My brother, Brandon, not to be confused with Jobama bin Biden, Brandon, which I have to say, I love that nickname for Joe Biden. Not because I give a shit about the whole, oh, let's go, Brandon. Let's, you know, not because I actually give a shit about that, but I find it very funny because I have a dear friend named Brandon. So whenever I hear let's go, Brandon, I immediately think of him every time I think of people cheering for him and the fact that, I mean, I never could have conceived of that. I came up with my own nickname for for him, Jabama bin Biden, which I think is funny. I still think that's funny. Jabama bin Biden. I still think that's good. But uh, I never could have conceived of the idea that a nickname for Biden would be Brandon. That's hilarious to me on its own. But Brandon, my, my friend Brandon, not to be confused with the president, although he's a president too, He sent me a text message in the morning, and it was just a picture of him listening to Jimmy J run wild, which longtime listeners know is an anthem, and that Jimmy J is 
the patron saint of every night's a school night. He sent me Jimmy J Run Wild. And that song, you know, I, I don't know if I've played it on more than one episode, but there was an early every night's a school night where I just went off about Jimmy J and that song. And I played it three or four times throughout the episode. Kind of like the seal trials, which was a, a little CDR, a mixed CDR I made when I was in high school where I, I took that seal song kiss from a rose and I made a mixed CDR to listen to in the, like when my friends and I were driving around smoking pot, when my friends and I were driving around hitting a red felt vape pen No, but I made this CDR for the car where it started out with Seal, Kiss from a Rose. Then there was another song by somebody else. And then it played Seal, Kiss from a Rose again. And then it played two songs by somebody else. Seal, Kiss from a Rose. Three songs, then Seal, Kiss from a Rose. So it was this weird, it was was a concept. It's what we call concept art. But I know that I did an episode where I played Jimmy J Run Wild a bunch of times. And so Brandon sending me that, the fact that he was listening to Jimmy J in the morning. Hey, you know what we should do here for eight years of every night's a school night? We should play Jimmy J Run Wild. I traveled as all over all by myself. The thing is satisfying and all this higher on the shelf. I'm a machine and hold me, son. Don't be a fool. This world is full of men to let them on a rule. Run wild for you young and do the things you wanna do. morning, I'm feeling mighty bad, I must have had a big time, I made my friends all mad, I run out of money in the middle of the night, I wrote a hot check in his jail as a side, run wild while you're young, and do the things you wanna do. Left me and I'm on in the blues. I walked a hundred miles or more and wore out my shoes. I think I'm going crazy. Well, what am I going to do? I think I'll join the Legion and see the world through. Run wild for you young and do the things you want to do. I feel the rocket ship and deep lot of room. I go and get my baby and we'll fly to the moon. We'll leave all our worries and care behind. And when we get in faith, everything will be fine. So run wild for you young and do the thing you wanna do.
Funny to me that Jimmy J lyric, you know, when we go to space, everything will be fine. I mean, all the lyrics to that are classic. Just a core part of my being. I think I'll join the Legion and see the world through. But the lyric about going to space where everything will be fine is so funny to me. Because just a couple days ago, I was reading about how in the last few years, there have been a couple instances, and I don't know what came of it. I don't know how accurate it is, but... There have been a couple instances of women astronauts trying to destroy things in space because of romantic issues with male astronauts. So it's funny, like co-ed space travel has already resulted in, I think one of them, like the Russians accused a NASA astronaut, a female NASA astronaut of, I believe, drilling a hole in the side of a space station that reduced the oxygen because she was upset about a love triangle that was going on, a space love triangle. And there was another one more recently. There was another example where a female astronaut is believed to have damaged something vital in space because she had just broken up with a male astronaut up there, up there, truly up there, out there and up there. And she was very upset about it. (laughs) So it just shows you how our human drama follows us. It's like as soon as you have co-ed space travel, already we got issues. Shows you that romance, human drama, it just follows us. And it didn't take long. 70 years in space, all of a sudden we have men and women in space. And guess what? Can't escape our problems, can we? So, Jimmy J, uh, just a little heads up before you go to space with your your wife or your girlfriend. I think he's talking about a girlfriend. That didn't sound like a married man. That song didn't sound like it came from a married man. Run Wild While You're Young was not a song written by a married man. I'll tell you that. But just funny. Be careful, uh, careful, Jimmy. Can't even get the patron name, (laughs) the patron saint's name right. Johnny J, Jimmy J, I don't even know the name of the patron saint. 
I don't even know the name of this show's patron saint anymore. That's how far gone we are. But that was followed up with Johnny Burnett. See, that's why I had Johnny on the brain, what we call Johnny on the brain. It was Johnny Burnett with I'm Restless. And as you heard, that guitar was absolutely insane. I don't think I've ever heard anything like that. I don't think I've ever heard any guitar quite that wild. It's like a brain worm wiggling around. Johnny on the brain. Kind of like having a worm crawling around inside of your brain. Making sweet little melodies as it weaves its way in and out of the folds of your brain. Great song, I'm Restless. Everything about that was good. I've been saving that one for a long time. I've been saving that one for about six years because... That was actually introduced to me by an ex-girlfriend, my ex-girlfriend Zarin. She was very into this type of music, and uh, we had common ground on a lot of it. But she was able to introduce me to some things I hadn't heard, a few nice little things in in these genres that I hadn't heard. And Johnny Burnett, I'm Restless, was one of those. So I have to give the credit to her. We're not in contact anymore, but hey, you know what? Breakups falling outs doesn't stop me from giving you credit you know who would I be if I didn't give you credit makes me want to credit you even more so that was uh, Johnny Burnett and we're going to continue on here with a very well-known fellow who's been played on here and he's been played in a lot of places his name is Rick Nelson and as as I've explained before Rick Nelson's real name was Eric which sets a precedent. That means that I can go by the name Rick because my name is Eric too. Actually, Eric too, T-W-O. No, but because my name is Eric, just as Rick Nelson's true name is Eric, that means I can go by Rick. He set a precedent. We live in a world of precedent. They did it, so now we can do it. But he actually connects to that ex-girlfriend too because she was a big Rick Nelson fan And when she was in high school, she painted a portrait of Rick Nelson. I should have bought it from her. I should have asked her for it. I don't know if she would have been willing to part with it. But I could use a nice high school student's painting of Rick Nelson, my fellow Eric. But this song is one of his most popular songs. String Along. Chilling. Utterly chilling music, this one. It was a big hit in 1963, and it's amazing. You know, it it would have been amazing to live in a time. You know, I I don't see this music through a nostalgic lens. As much as this show does play older music, it's relevant to me now. I don't listen and go, oh, you know, this is what things were like then. But it is weird to look back and think, like, this was a huge song at the time. And you could well have turned on the radio passed by someone's car their house and heard this song so it does show you how times change you're not going to hear anything like this on the radio ever again i mean aside from the oldies station you're not going to hear modern pop music that sounds like this and even if they try they're not going to capture it because that's a big thing like i have a friend and he'll occasionally send me newer artists who are trying to do something in this vein i never like it i appreciate him I like that he's keeping an eye out for me. Like, hey, check out this artist. He's, he's trying to sound like uh, the guys you like. I like that he's keeping that in mind, but I just can't do it. It doesn't sound right. The production's never right. The spirit's never right. And if the production and the spirit aren't right, well, nothing's right. 
But this is Rick Nelson, and everything's right. String along. String along. That's all I am is just your string along. Someone that you just seem to bring along. Whenever you are all alone, need some company. You always turn to me, string along. That's all I do is sort of string along. You never seem to notice I'm alone. I just want you to want me to, or how I hope and pray that you need me someday. Nothing more needs to be said about a work of art like that. That's what that is. That was a work of art. Similar to another song of his I've played on here before, I Don't Want to Love You. I don't think that one became a hit, but a very similar sort of sound. And I like that. I like it when artists from that era did multiple songs in the same vein. I don't know how much of it was intentional. But it's kind of like hearing them try to work out an idea and do it in a couple different ways. I think sometimes that's a good thing. And Rick Nelson, too. I mean, he did quite a variety of songs, a lot of different types of sound. And, you know, that's more than just teener. That's more than just teen pop right there. That reaches something else. It gets all the way up there, up there and out there. But uh, we're going to play a block here. This is going to be by a fellow named Bobby Lewis. Bobby Lewis. And the first song is going to be I May Never Be Free. Good title. I May Never Be Free. There's a lyric in there. Don't tie your heartstrings to the light of the moon. Great. I drew that picture. Here's a little narcissism for you. But. I drew a picture back during the peak years of every night's a school night. Maybe I might have been on a little hiatus, actually, but it was during the period when I was running wild. And I drew one of my favorite drawings that I've ever done, which was called Nocturnal Obedience. 
and it's me handcuffed to the moon. So I like that lyric, don't tie your heartstrings to the light of the moon. And my own version of that is don't handcuff yourself to the light of the moon. But if you do, that's okay too. If you're handcuffed or tied to the moon through your heartstrings, via your heartstrings, at least do something with the experience. Don't just sit there. But so I may never be free is going to be followed up here with my, M-Y, and then in parentheses is such a lonely word. And then that's going to be followed up with crying in public. And crying in public has quite a nice twang to it, as it should. A song called Crying in Public should always have a nice twang to it. So if you ever consider writing a song like that, give it a little twang. Bobby Lewis Block, a BLB.
about the past And our love I thought would last And I think about the things we planned to do In our future, in our house, in our Without my girl, all my things are just things. Mine is such a lonely, lonely world. Thinking of someone I love And couldn't keep the tears inside My trouble is I miss her so since we parted And it seems to get worse as time goes by So forgive me for crying in public But I can't tell my eyes when to cry I know I shouldn't be here If I can't hold my tears But it gets so So forgive me for crying in public But I've been crying ever since she's been gone Forgive me for crying in public But I've been crying ever since she's been gone The Bobby Lewis Blanc has come to an end. I like on that last one how his voice gets high at select moments. It sounds very even-keeled. And then when he gets into the crying, his voice actually cries out. 
It's a controlled cry, though. You've heard of a controlled demolition? Well, there's such a thing as a controlled cry. We're going to continue on here with Big Mike Yeager. And Big is how I describe him. I've played Mike Yeager before. There's a song called The Invader. He did dark country music in the late 1960s and early 70s. His voice reminds me a bit of Glenn Danzig, actually. And the song The Invader could well be a Misfits song or something. It's about infidelity, but using this sort of alien perspective to describe it. A man who sleeps with married women being something of an alien invader. How come you don't hear that comparison often enough? In fact, that might be the only time I've ever heard it. But Mike Yeager, everything about his music, some of it's more rocking, some of it's more country. A lot of the material I've heard from him, it's either strong or dark or strong and dark. And don't compare it to a cup of coffee, but you could. Don't compare it to a cup of coffee, but you could. But Mike Yeager, there's obviously a, an Elvis influence to his voice. And on my currently inactive YouTube, on my currently inactive YouTube channel, I had uploaded The Invader some years back. And what's interesting about doing that YouTube channel about having uploaded some of the some of the copies that I own. Because as I've said many times, I don't own most of what I play on here. There's no way I could. I'm not I don't have a massive 45 collection. It's probably larger than most people. My 45 collection is likely larger than most people you'll ever meet. But I'm not a I'm not a collector at all. I'm not a collector at all. But I, I do have some Mike Yeager 45s, and I uploaded The Invader, and I believe I also uploaded uh, Walk That Talk. Again, strength, darkness and strength, strength and darkness. And in the comments I wrote, or in the description I wrote, it sounds like he probably had an Elvis influence. And what's so interesting about uploading those songs is that occasionally you get somebody who knew them, or a relative. I think I've mentioned before how there are a couple artists that I've uploaded on there. I've had their granddaughters comment and they say, oh, this was my grandpa. It's great to listen to this, which I never imagined would happen. I never imagined eight years ago when I started doing every night's a school night that when I created, created kind of an auxiliary version on YouTube where I uploaded songs, I never imagined that the relatives of these people would hear what I uploaded and reach out and be grateful. And it made me self-conscious because I used some really shitty Windows video maker to make the YouTube videos, and I just threw together random photos, creepy photos, random photos I found online, photos that I took of my house, of objects I own, just a random, like whatever was in my photo folder at the time, it was just a random assortment, a random collage of photos, so I'm like, ugh. These people, their relatives are watching my YouTube videos and they're seeing their grandfather's music through the lens of my weird life. Because I purposely put a bunch of dark imagery, because that was always a thing with this show, is not to get too reflective again, but just that was always a thing here where putting this music in a darker context, because so much of it is dark, so much doo-wop, so much teen pop certainly most country that I play on here 
comes from a dark place. The subject matter is dark. And I don't feel that oldies stations do much to to add to the context of it. So it was always a point on here to kind of do an oldies show. I don't consider this oldies. I don't really like the catch-all term oldies. But, you know, one of the goals here was always to do sort of an oldies show that put things in, if not a proper context, a... A, a, just a, you know a context that served the subject matter maybe a little better than just oh it's old music check it out you know something better than that but mike yeager i don't believe it was a relative of his who commented on a video i put up but it was somebody who knew him and they said oh mike was very influenced by elvis so they read my description which also mentioned glenn danzig and they were like well it turns out i knew mike i knew big mike and he was influenced by Elvis. But, you know, a lot of what he did was country, which is a good dimension of Elvis influence. Because a lot of country artists were heavily influenced by Elvis, even though you wouldn't necessarily think that if you're not a big Elvis fan, your mind wouldn't necessarily go there. I feel like most serious Elvis fans are just like, well, yeah, of course. Of course, there's a heavy country component to Elvis And interestingly, if you pay attention to Elvis fans today, a lot of them are country fans. Some of the people who are still holding the candle, if that's even the right phrase, a lot of the people who are still honoring Elvis are actually country fans. The people who understand and appreciate what Elvis represented are often country fans today. And he did influence country music significantly because he influenced everything. He influenced the Beatles. He he influenced the Beatles. So we're going to play Mike Yeager here from 1969, which is a good time for country. You know, you figure the late 60s are when... The, the, the late 1960s, that's when doo-wop went extinct, at least in practice. Yeah, some people kept it up. But it wasn't as good. It didn't sound as good. It wasn't coming from as pure of a place. By that time, pop music went in a direction that I don't really like. Rock and roll took over. The hippie influence was apparent in a lot of popular music by then. Whereas in country, country was still very raw and pure in the late 1960s. And a lot of the country music that I play on here is from 1968, 1969. And so this one's a 1969er. You've heard of the 49ers. Well, this is a 69er from Mike Yeager. And the song title alone should tell you you're about to hear something heavy. Pitchfork and Shovel by Mike Yeager. Pitchfork and Shovel. I just saw the devil with a pitchfork and a shovel. His wicked laughter rang out like a bell. I watched him as he stood, damning all the good. The master of the mighty fires of hell. I saw people. Walking by, heard their weary cries. The misery of the misled filled the earth. 
life I saw Evil in the raw Damnation rules And every soul was burned Then I saw the devil With a pitchfork and a shovel His wicked laughter rang out Like a bell I watched him as he stood Damn it, all the good As you heard there, that was Big Mike Yeager. Big is my nickname for him, but how could you not call a voice like that big? A little less country than I thought it was. It's been a couple months since I listened to it. I've been planning to play that one on the next school night for a while now, and this is the next school night. But uh, Mike Yeager, primarily a countryish artist, countryish. Most of his material is primarily country. That one wasn't quite as straight-up country as I expected, but it was in spirit. It was country in spirit. I mean, that lyric, I watched him as he stood, damning all the good, the master of the mighty fires of hell. Very strong, very dark. A lot of strength and darkness to that one. And Mike Yeager there, you know, if he hadn't sung that, it wouldn't be nearly as powerful You know, I listen to a lot of metal. I've been involved in metal. I'm not that into satanic metal. I've never gravitated to satanic metal. I own a lot of it. I love a lot of it. But I feel there's something special about hearing somebody sing that sort of lyric in a good, strong voice. Screaming or growling it just wouldn't do it justice. Some sort of other delivery would not do it justice. I watched him as he stood, damning all the good, the master of the mighty fires of hell. And what I liked about that track, too, is the way it built in intensity. You know, modern music gets a lot of rightful criticism for being heavily compressed. People are like, oh, my God, you know, you can't listen to anything on the radio these days. It's so compressed. And even though modern music can be dynamic, there are a lot of volume spikes. It's this sort of micromanaged dynamism 
and it doesn't really lend itself to the music quite as well, whereas you could hear that, and it built in volume and intensity as it got near the end, and it closed that way. It closed that way. Because let me tell you something right here. When you're talking about the devil, when you're dealing with the devil, it only builds in intensity. It builds in intensity. It does not decline in intensity. If it involves the devil and the mighty fires of hell, the intensity only builds up. It never quite goes down. But we're going to continue here with a song from an early every night to school night. You know, I don't want this to be a retrospective, but it's been eight years. It's been eight years. So I think it's good to bring some of the old classics back now and again. And this one is a classic classic. It's by Lainey Cooper and the Reveliers. And when I first heard this song, I played it for everybody. I remember when I first heard it, I went over to my buddy Nick's house and we were drinking and I played him this and he got very quiet. He quietly listened to the song and then afterward he said, she's quite the little songbird, isn't she? And that's the perfect definition. You feel like you are listening to a forest animal. You feel like you are listening to a beautiful little songbird. And the song is, His Name is Tommy. And it's funny too, the first time I played this, the only time as far as I know that I played this on every night's a school night, my buddy Miles called me. And you know, he's not quite as invested in this music. He has great taste in these genres when he's interested in them. But it's not primarily his thing. But he's an expert jewel hunter. And an expert jewel hunter, a master level jewel hunter, knows a wonderful jewel when it's laid before him. And so he had heard that episode when it debuted. And he called me and he was like, you know, you really didn't do justice to that Laney Cooper, his name is Tommy song. Because, you know, oftentimes if there's a song that's an extra special jewel, I'll just go off about it talking about how it's my favorite favorite and he was like you really barely said anything you were way too casual considering how good this song is but you know sometimes that's what you do sometimes there's very little you can actually say about a song it's so good and that's how I feel about Lainey Cooper here what could I say that this songbird isn't saying when she's singing Lainey Cooper and the Reveliers and every night's a school night classic his name is Tommy.
you see, you see. If you couldn't tell, that second one there was by Lainey Cooper as well. If you thought that was somebody else, whew, I don't know what to tell you because there's only one of that breed. That particular breed of songbird, there's only one living bird that remains. And I don't even know if she's still alive. But in my encounters with wildlife, there is only one bird of that breed. And that's my song. Those were her songs. Well, this is my song about her, which is, There's only one bird of that breed. Full apology for that, but at least I'm not giving you a half apology. But anyway, yeah, that, was, that second one was Lainey Cooper and the Revelers as well. A very raw little one. A very raw little one. I imagine she's very small. When I say songbird, I mean a songbird. I mean just a few inches tall. But uh, Big Mike was the name of that second one. I don't believe I played that before. 
Even though I'm revisiting a classic with his name is Tommy, I don't believe that I played that second one, Big Mike, and I feel like it was good timing considering I just played Big Mike Yeager. Was she singing about Big Mike Yeager? I don't know. She was singing about somebody named Big Mike. And as far as this show's concerned, as far as the cast of characters of Every Night's a School Night is concerned, and this is a cast of characters, I'm simply the narrator. This show is introducing you to a cast of characters. And in that context, there's only one Big Mike. So you heard it here that Lainey Cooper was singing about Big Mike Yeager right there. But in reintroducing some of the old classics of the show, it's nice when we can add something new like Big Mike. And we're going to play another woman. We're going to play another woman. Keeping them together, keeping them segregated, or keeping the women near each other. And this one's by Dixie Rogers, a good name. Dixie Rogers. We got to be careful, though, bringing women on here. You know, just like those female astronauts, you know, they might get upset. They might get upset and they might drill a hole in the side of the space station. You never know. You never know what they'll, they'll get up to. So we got to keep them together. We got to keep an eye on the women. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're keeping an eye on the women. And following Lainey Cooper, we're going to play Dixie Rogers with Our First Date. have expected anything except for what you just heard from a girl named Dixie Rogers would you have expected a girl named Dixie Rogers to sound like anything other than what you just heard you know life is full of surprises but that was not one 
But it's a nice little song singing about how a first date led to marriage. We like that equation. Here at Every Night's a School Night, we like that equation. What we just heard was mathematics of the heart, or rather, arithmetic of the heart, which would have made a nice song title for the Every Night's a School Night genres that we play here. Arithmetic of the heart. But no, our first date... We like when one leads to eternity. But we're going to play a couple more vintage every night to school night classics here before all's said and done. We're going to play a few of them. And first here, we're going to play Willie Redden, Old Willie. And this one, I believe, was played in the very first every night to school night. If I have it right... My memory's getting a little hazy. My memory's getting a little hazy after eight years. But I believe this one was played on the very first Every Night's a School Night. It's Willie Redden with the song Strangers. A nice, a nice breathy, hissy, but strong. It's almost, whenever I hear this song, I mean, first it has a very strong bass line perfect bass line but whenever i hear this song to me it's like if roy orbison didn't have incredible vocal range if roy orbison just had one voice that he could do if he was just limited to one particular voice i feel like this is what he would have sounded like but roy orbison is roy orbison because he has just an unbelievable range but even though willie redden doesn't seem to have quite the range it gives me sort of a similar feeling. And I like the word stranger. I will never get tired of the word stranger. I will never get tired of its root. Of its root. The word strange. The word strange perfectly describes the strange. And the word stranger to this day, it's a word that I, I believe has been heavily used throughout my life. We were warned about strangers. You know, as a child, I was taught to fear strangers. Not necessarily me individually, but children in general are taught to fear strangers. But it's funny because I love the word strangers and I love the song strangers. So here's Willie Redden with strangers. I've been treating you bad and it's making me sad. That's why I say... A minute, baby. Wait a minute, baby.
a school night classic with another school night classic there with Kathy and Jimmy Z Z E E not just a letter Z Z E E with your name your name and what would this episode be without a creep hymn what would the eight-year anniversary episode be without a creep hymn and who knows if this will actually be the eight-year anniversary I might well do an episode on the 12th. I might, I might well do an episode on the 12th. Who knows? It's all up in the air right now. But just in case I don't do an actual eight-year anniversary episode, I'll do two. Maybe I'll do two. But for now, we're celebrating eight years. And you got to have a creep hymn. On this kind of occasion, if this is even an occasion at all, you got to have a creep hymn because it turns out you don't need a special occasion to have a creep hymn. And Kathy and Jimmy Z, I'm sure I pondered it the first time I played that many years ago, but I don't know if they're brother and sister, husband and wife. I don't know if they're related at all. I don't know if the name refers to Kathy Z and Jimmy Z or if it's Kathy and Jimmy Z. She's just Kathy and he is Jimmy Z. I don't know. 
The mystery is one that does not need to be solved. Not here today. But your name, your name, just a wonderful creep hymn. I love the lyric. It haunts me every minute, but I love it just the same. Your name, your name, your name. And then, of course, the just phenomenal lyric. It covers up my notebook like a great big crossword game. Your name, your name, your name. But yeah, just a phenomenal one. I love the... It just that one propels you that one launches you you're just being continually launched in the air it's better than a trampoline what we have the kind of music we got it's better than a trampoline launches you even higher launches you even further up there and out there the theme of the day out there and up there But just be careful if you end up in space. Kathy and Jimmy Z, whether they are brother and sister, whether they're husband and wife, whatever they are, if they end up in space, they should be careful. They should be very careful because they should remember that human drama follows us even when we leave the earth. No matter how far we go, we as human beings are still fallen and we are still ruled by the rules. (laughs) We are still ruled by the laws of the fallen. But it covers up my notebook like a great big crossword game. Great one. So we're going to be closing out this here every night's a school night. And we're going to close it out the right way with a xenophobic, bigoted country song. Not trying to shock you, not trying to offend you. This is a museum. Every night's a school night is a museum. And that's, you know, the most disclaimer I'm going to offer here today. But we're going to play a, what some would call a novelty song. But as I've explained before, I don't consider novelty records to be novelties. What makes something a novelty record anyway? I don't entirely agree with that designation. I know what it is. I know what it refers to. But it's often novelty songs that I take to heart. Do I take this one to heart? Well, we're in a museum. And in a museum, everything is on display, and the viewer gets to decide what it means to them. But like a true museum, and trust me, there are untrue museums out there. There are completely false museums all over the place, probably most of them now. But like a true museum, we don't decide how and what belongs there. I guess we do. I guess I did choose this playlist, but we don't get to decide how and what the art actually is. And is this going to be a bigoted, xenophobic, xenophobic song? It's very much that. It's by Old Glory. The artist's name is Old Glory, like the flag. And the song title just lays it all out there. It's called Kick Qaddafi's butt. <laughs> Kick Qaddafi's butt. Very catchy, very memorable. There's a lyric, put another Disneyland where Tripoli used to be. Turns out that's true. It's funny, we didn't kill Qaddafi for quite a few years. I mean, until just a few years ago. And it's funny that it's called Kick Qaddafi's butt because there's a preoccupation with Qaddafi's ass. His ass. They killed Qaddafi. And they sodomized him with 
was it a gun or a bayonet? I believe it was a knife. When they killed Gaddafi, they made a video of soldiers sodomizing him with a weapon. So there seems to be a preoccupation that transcends time and place with doing things to Gaddafi's butt. Don't like that word, butt. But it's the name of the song here, Kick Gaddafi's Butt. A lot of people won't like this one, but we're a museum and we don't display things so that you'll like them. And it's funny, too, because, you know, some some very popular Democratic politicians said some very heartless things about Gaddafi. And he was a decadent authoritarian, no question about it. I'm not a Gaddafi apologist, but it's funny how it doesn't seem to matter whether you're a neoconservative or a neoliberal. A lot of people celebrated the idea of doing things to Gaddafi's butt. But anyways, what's funny now, too, is I thought that was perfect timing to play this one because I just found out last night that Gaddafi's son is running for office, I believe president of Libya. And Libya has been a mess since we took Gaddafi out. He was a terrible guy, a decadent authoritarian, a cruel man. But Libya has been in far worse condition by most accounts since we killed Gaddafi, since we sodomized Gaddafi with a weapon. And now his son is running for office. And there are some out there who think that he may have a real chance, which would be interesting. I mean, running on the platform of, hey, you killed my father and sodomized him with a weapon. I'm going to run for office and put this country back in order like it was when my father was around. Be interesting to see what happens there. But yeah, Libya has been in a bad, bad place. So if Gaddafi Jr. does end up running and winning i'm very curious what will happen because that guy uh, you know he might have some strong feelings Gaddafi's son might have some strong feelings but this song here is filled with strong feelings old glory kick Gaddafi's butt just want to say thanks for listening i appreciate those who have continued to acknowledge and support every night's a school night and night school Maybe there's somebody out there who likes one but doesn't like the other. But if you like either one of them, I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone over the last eight years who has ever listened, who has ever reached out. I I truly appreciate the acknowledgement that anybody has given to this show. I don't care what you even think about it. But I do appreciate that basic human acknowledgement And hearing from people and knowing that people still like it or ever liked it at any point in time, that does mean something to me. It does mean something to me that I'm not just speaking into the void. I'm glad to know there are people out there who listen and appreciate. Old Glory kick Gaddafi's butt. Every night's a school night, December 3rd. Thank goodness it's December. It's the month I was born, and it's also the month that Every Night's a School Night was created. So I'm able to celebrate multiple birthdays, multiple anniversaries. If you haven't heard of Christmas, it's also the month of Christmas. But for now, we're thinking about Gaddafi and the Middle East. Old Glory, kick Gaddafi's butt.
Put another Disneyland where Tripoli used to be. Now some Arab boys making lots of noise away over Libya way. Another camel jockey is getting cocky, screaming death to the USA. Working up a sweat, making lots of threats. Well, we'll see if you're so tough. When you've got Uncle Sam size 13 shoe right up your butt. Well, you send your students over to our university. Where they study engineering and bombing embassies. Well, we're mad as hell, and I'm here to tell you we'll change your tune real fast. Cause your alligator mouth ain't back up your canary. Yes, we're gonna kick a doctor's butt. So come on, Mona, take your best shot. We had just about enough of you in our face. If you wanna crash your luck, go for it, huh? Like Granny Eastwood would say.
And when the morning sun reveals her hills and plains, I see a land where children can run free. Take my hand and walk this land with me and walk this lovely land with me though I am just a man when you are by my side with the help of God I know I can be strong so take my hand and walk this land with me and walk this golden land with me though I am just a man when you are by my side with the help of God I know I can be strong to make this land our home if I must fight, I'll fight to make this land our own until is mine.